Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. If you have your Bibles, um, you can open up to the book of Mark. Again, we're just taking the next passage as we walk through the book of Mark. And, and we're walking through here with Jesus to experience all that, that he is saying to us. And what's fun about when you come to these certain passages, that the story, it's always different. You're always going to hear something different when you come to church because it's, you're just taking what was happening in the Bible and speaking, and I'm teaching about it. And so some of the topics are a little bit more the, theological than others. This one today, we're going to have some, a couple points of theological things and then also some practical application. But it's important as we walk through this, this, this book, one of the Gospels, which is Mark, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we understand this, that this isn't just about the life of Jesus. This is about him showing us the reality of who he is in our lives. And uh, what he's showing us is that, that God, one, he is, he is human, and his name is Jesus, that this is God in the flesh. And we've seen so far as we walk through the book of Mark, we've seen Jesus have the power and authority over sickness and disease. We've seen he's had the power over Satan, the power to forgive sins. And today my, my desire is that we would see and understand that Jesus has the power to give you rest. How many would say here that you could use a little more rest in your life? Come on, we all say amen, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. Because we, we need it and we feel it and we're so busy and we're so stretched and everything is always happening that we can get exhausted. Well, Jesus wants to speak to you today. He wants to give you peace in an area maybe you haven't had peace in a long time. So today, our passage that we're looking at, Jesus, again, he's interacting with religious leaders about this, this word that we hear in the Bible called the Sabbath. Meaning, the Sabbath, it, it's a law that was given by God to the Hebrews not to work on the seventh day of the week. And so for the Jews, Sabbath is sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. It's their Sabbath, they're to rest. So today, though, we're going to let Jesus show us his heart for our lives, for our rest, and for our Sabbath. And I will tell you this, there's a lot of opinions about the Sabbath. There's a lot of different ideas. And what Jesus is saying today is very, very challenging to these people who are, who are listening to him, to the religious leaders who've based their whole lives and values on how they can perform. Their whole existence was to show everybody how good they were. But not only did they do that, they added more things to the law of God to put the weight of, of their own rules and regulations on the people of God. So the last message I talked about how the religious people who followed were criticizing him. And, uh, and, and he, he was able to stand against them and he was able to speak to them. And they were criticizing him, though, because he was introducing some new things they'd never heard of. He was blowing their minds with things. And here's the reality. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to be true to his word, you are always going to be criticized. I promise you that is a promise from God to you. You will be persecuted just as Jesus was persecuted. And that's something you need to know about. So I just want to encourage you, make sure you are criticized for the right reasons. I, I had a friend who's always 
really passionate, and, and, and I know how he is. And, man, he would, he, he would argue, and, and he always, oh, Jason, pray for me. Man, I, you know, the devil's coming after me. He's saying, everybody doesn't like me because of Jesus in you. I said, no, 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 my friend. People don't like you because you're a jerk sometimes. That's why. So Jesus wasn't being a jerk. He was being criticized for the right reasons because he was bringing truth to people that didn't want to hear it. They could not receive it. And so we're stepping into this again. He's being criticized in this passage, him and his disciples, on how they don't observe the Sabbath the way they thought it ought to be deserved. So they were criticizing him. So let's pick up the story. Let's jump. Mark chapter 2. This is what we have. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, meaning Jesus, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companion. So here, here he says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Remember David, who he, he was, actually David was, was in need and he, and he ate bread that was holy, but he ate it because he was hungry. And so he, and so he was challenging them on their thinking. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. So in order to really understand this today, I, I need to give a little bit of context of what's going on. And, and one, one of the reasons why I really enjoy teaching kind of um, expositionally through the Bible is that it helps us understand actually what is going on. Why did Jesus say I'm the Lord of the Sabbath? What's actually happening? And so in order to fully grasp this, you need to realize the religious leaders of Judaism had set all kinds of rules about the Sabbath day of rest that God did not set. They set things that were so restrictive, it didn't even make any sense. And these religious leaders went way beyond what the Bible says. They went way beyond what God said about the Sabbath. And so the Bible's one restriction on the Sabbath was this. Don't work. That's all. That's all it said. So Jesus, remember, Jesus had not yet died and rose from the dead. He was, he, he was telling them, remember, he was challenging them the passage before. He was talking about he was coming to bring in a new covenant. He was coming to, to bring in a new wine and new wineskin. Jesus was telling them, listen, I am fully God and fully man. I've come to fulfill all that the law has said. But I'll talk more about that in just a moment. So these religious types invented all types of rules that suffocated the true meaning of the Sabbath or a day of rest. So the idea was the less you could do on the Sabbath, the less you could do, the more holy you were. So the question is then, what did, we just read that passage, why were they criticizing Jesus? Why did they have a problem with Jesus and his boys? What was the issue? Well, it's very interesting. Two things they did wrong. One, I'm going to tell them to you. Once I tell them to you, you go, oh, I get it. One, they were walking. The second thing they did that was horribly wrong is they picked grain from, from the fields to eat it. So you think, well, what, what is, I, I still don't get it. 
Jesus had his, and his disciples, whether you realize it or not, according to their laws, had committed a double violation to the Sabbath law. So they were traveling. One, you're not supposed to travel on the Sabbath. Their, their rules, they made up a rule that you could only walk 1,999 steps in, on the Sabbath. That was it. And if you took that 2,000 step, you, you had violated the Sabbath and God wasn't pleased with you. So they, they had the sense also that, so we know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So because the disciples were hungry and they plucked some grain to eat, they accused them of saying, oh, you're harvesting, so therefore you are working. So you, you've doubly violated, you're traveling and you just harvested something. They also made up crazy rules. So like this one. They were really creative on how they made up loopholes. So you could only walk 1,999 feet on, in, on the Sabbath. To, and if you took, you know, one more, you violated it. But a loophole is if you could leave a piece of clothing at step 1,999, that became your new dwelling place. And then you could walk another 1,999 from that one place. Pretty clever, isn't it? So that, that, you just need to layer that day. Just layer so you can keep walking. And so they made these loopholes, crazy stuff. Also, they said on the Sabbath, if, if you were to drag a chair in the dirt and it was to make a furrow in the dirt, you were guilty of violating the Sabbath by plowing in the dirt. Another one was this, that you could, you, you could, you could not carry anything that weighed more than a fig or you would violate it. But you could carry a half a fig twice and still be okay. You couldn't bathe on the Sabbath because the water might run off of your body and run on the floor. Thus you would be guilty of cleaning the floor on the Sabbath when working. I mean, it was crazy stuff. And Jesus rebuked these leaders. In Matthew, he said, you have substituted the law of God with the traditions of man. And I want to answer a couple questions that come up often around this topic of Sabbath in Scripture. Then I want to look at some practical application for us. These first two are going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, are going to be a little bit theological. But the number one is this. As followers of Jesus, this is what you need to know and need to understand. Number one, followers of Jesus do not need to follow Jewish Sabbath rules. Just so you know. Everybody say amen to that. You don't need to follow them. One, Jesus has fulfilled them all. And if you were in Christ, you have checked the box. It's been fulfilled by him because you were in him. But Jesus was dealing with this, was, with this idea of Sabbath. But he was, he was talking about a much bigger thing. He was setting something brand new into place. A new way of living for followers of Jesus. A new way of freedom. If you were here last week again, we talked about the new wineskin, we talked about the old garment and the patch. And he was, he was talking that he had come to fulfill the law through his life. So we are no longer, we are no, there's no longer a need for us to follow the regulations that, that keep God's wrath at bay. Which we can't follow anyways, what the scripture says. So there are, there are actually groups today who are followers of Jesus. And some of them judge people who worship on Sundays like us. They say, no, no, you're not, that's not the real Sabbath. The real Sabbath is Saturday. And so they judge. And they judge because even some of us, because we don't follow the dietary rules. And so th here's, here's something you need to understand. First off, there is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There is nothing in the New Testament that even suggests that we should keep the Sabbath rules. 
You need to understand that. Did you know this, that the early church that was birthed in Jerusalem, they had to deal with the same issue? After the resurrection of Jesus, the, the, the church was born. First they had to figure out if, if Gentiles, which just means people who aren't Jewish, can be followers of Jesus. And so they were wrestling through that. They thought, well, I guess they can if they then become a Jew. But in order to become a Jew, then they have to, they, they have to honor all of the regulations and stuff that, that we have to honor. And so they were, trying to, they were struggling through all of this. And so after they got over that, then... What, then what it was is they had to figure out, okay, wait a minute. Okay, if, if, a, if a Gentile can be a follower of Jesus, and so in order for that to happen, they need to follow all the rules. And then all of us, they got in this big argument about all this. And the disciples and the followers of, of, of Jesus were saying, listen, they do not need to, to eat certain foods. They do not need to obey the Sabbath. They do not need to honor the Jewish festival. And Jesus' disciples says, no, that is not why Jesus came. You're missing it. And so, so then at that moment, they were able to come to an agreement and the church exploded in Jerusalem. But some still judge today that Christians don't follow the written laws. Still some judge, and I, I have some friends who, who, not all of them judge, but some of them do. But I want you to look at what the scripture says. If, you are, if you're being judged because you don't follow the Old Testament regulations, I want you to look at Colossians. Look at this, it says, speaking of Jesus, Jesus has canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. And in other words, um, when you violate any portion of or regulation of the Old Testament or laws that God laid out, you are indebted to God. And so the payment of you falling short is God's wrath, which is death. Just so you're aware of it. Jesus canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He, speaking of Jesus, has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament regulations were only a shadow. It was, everything was pointing to, to, the, to the greater good. Everything, I've said this before, it was like you could, it was, you could smell the bread. You could, you, could, you could smell it. It smelled so good. It made your stomach rumble. You wanted to get a hot, you could, I, you could just smell it. But what the smell is, is the reality of the bread. Jesus is the bread. The law was helping point people to that you need a savior. You need somebody who's going who's to deliver you. You need someone who's going to love you in the midst of your brokenness and hurting heart. You need someone that when you fall short, it can pick you up. And it was pointing to the reality that person is Jesus. And the Old Testament regulations were just this shadow. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That means he's the expert of it. Jesus didn't come, remember, please hear me, he did not come to cancel the Old Testament law. That's not what scripture says. But he came to fulfill it. Every single Old Testament law now must be examined under and through the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he's talking about. So people often struggle, and I understand, when they read passages of Leviticus, 
prescribing this very strict dietary and personal hygiene laws. They think, well, if I want to please God, I, I guess I better follow all, all, all this before. Listen, I've been asked before, why don't we obey the whole Bible and follow the rules? I've been asked that personally, I have. And the answer is this, as, as new covenant Christians, you remember Jesus the night he was betrayed, he said, I want you to, and they were doing Passover, and he said, I want you to drink this wine, but this wine represents the cup of the new covenant. In other words, he was doing a new thing. New covenant Christians are no longer bound by the ceremonial and civil laws Israel lived under. No longer. They're actually no longer required to live under them today. But they, they, they choose to because they're, they're, they're smelling him, but they haven't tasted the reality of him, which is in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're believing as we love and serve the Jewish people, that their hearts would be warmed by Jesus and they would recognize him as the Messiah. That's why we do what we do, just so you're aware. And if you struggle with that, you're going to struggle being in this church. God's called us. To follow, to make Jesus' last thing he said our first priority. And so we're going to continue to do that. But new covenant Christians do not, no longer, we're bound to the ceremonial laws. We, we follow the moral law in Christ, but not ceremonial and civil. Number two, and that was the first kind of theological point, followers of Jesus. Number two, though, practically must be careful to not fall into the same trap as the Pharisees. So their problem, and our problem at times, is we add to what God's word says. We add restrictions because we think, you know what, I want to be, I want to really please God. So let's add some more things in there. We add rules, we add systems. And then if we violate, then we judge ourselves, and then we judge others, and then we and then and then and, and we're judging ourselves and others against a law that God didn't create. I grew up in a in a uh, in a church that sometimes added some extra things. One of them I remember is uh, you chew, you couldn't chew gum in church. I know it was terrible. And part of it is we they had added and it be, why because it was it was irreverent to God. Well, who said? Some guy. And so therefore, there was this extra, it, it wasn't much, but it's this extra thing. We, we, we do it all the time. We think, we think you know, I'm going to add just a, little, just a little something. One was to, you, you couldn't wear shorts to church because it was disrespectful to God. And he might strike you dead. You just never knew. Another one we added was this. You can't drink wine. If you drink wine, it's a sin. It's a sin. And so I, I grew up believing that. All, then I went to Bible college and I was like studying all the scriptures and I was like, the Bible's pro-wine. What am I going to do with this? I've been told it's demonic. Now I understand there are, there are, there are boundaries, there are parameters, but all of, that, all of the, the scripture is in confines if we are walking in a relationship with Jesus. Another, I've, I've heard weird things like this. Um, well, maybe some of you remember. Remember when those, when those evil electric guitars came into the church? And you thought, boy, that's, that's not pleasing to God. And we, we're adding to Scripture. Where does it say that? It doesn't. Here's one. God is not pleased when you dance. 
I heard a joke one time, actually. One of my staff pastors, he said, you know, he said listen, you know, you know why we are against premarital sex? I said, why? He says, because it could lead to dancing. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Now, understand, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are dance, that's dancing that honors God and dancing that doesn't. But listen, if, if anyone else took off dancing like David did in the, in the Old Testament, we, our security would get them out of here quick. I'm telling you that right now. Here's another one. You can't go to movies. Because if you go to movies and Jesus returns, he's not going to get you out of that place because that's where evil things are shown. Another one, you can't wear hats in church. You can't do that. It's displeasing. Irreverent to God, he will judge you. How dare you? And all of a sudden, again, these are little things that we add to what the Bible doesn't say. The other one is that you can't play cards of any kind. Because it could lead to dancing. Actually, is what it is. <laughs> but there, there's this word. There's this word that describes when you add things to God's law that he never says. It's, called, it's this word called legalism. It's adding restrictions on man that God never did. Legalism says you must work harder, suffer more, restrict more for your, for your own righteousness, for your own salvation. And Paul, before he was saved, was one of the best. He was like top ranked the best at a Pharisee. He had the highest position. He knew all the laws. His whole relationship with God was based around his works and his actions. But after he found Jesus, this is what he wrote. And he was talking and remembering of all those great accolades of keeping of the law that he had done. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. If you want, you want a little fun, you should look up this word garbage. You will find that it is actually a little further than garbage. It has something to do with feces. But you can find that out later. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of of faith. This is what Jesus came. He came to set us free because every one of us on our best day is going to blow it. On our best day, you're going to make a mistake. On your best day, you're going to have a thought you shouldn't have had. On your best day, you're not going to make it. Jesus came to fulfill everything and take upon himself everything that, that, that we, we can't measure up to. And if we are in him, God views us as righteous and holy and complete. And we are clothed in his righteousness. And it is all of that is accomplished by us simply placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Once our internal life has changed, then our external world begins to change. I, I, I wanted to read you guys something I read out of a commentary, it said this, I don't know, and this is, it was written by two authors, and I don't know which one wrote it, but it said this, I don't know anything more destructive, seductive, and deceptive to a true vibrant relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ than what, his, what this word means, the word called legalism. It is destructive because it fosters death, not life. It is seductive because it lures us to look at ourselves for righteousness rather than to Jesus Christ. 
And so here's the reality. Legalism is this. When we rate ourselves at the end of the day on how good we are, if, you, if, you, if that's you, then you're struggling with legalism. If you, if you come home, you know, did I do this? I checked this box. Well, I did, okay, I didn't have this thought. I did have this. This is good. Okay, good. Oh, I'm good. Or the other side is you get home and you, and you run the numbers and you realize I'm not good. And so the basis of, of our status with God has, depends on your behavior. If you performed well enough, if you got the job done or not. Listen, this is something you need to know. That your status with God does not change whether or not you perform well or not. Your stat, God, when you fall, he's not like, oh, I'm frustrated. No, no, he's like, son, daughter, I'm here to pick you up. It doesn't matter. God's approval of you, his love of you, his care of you, his passion for you, none of that changes when you blow it and when you sin. He's there then to pick you up. But your status as a child of God never changes. That's called the grace of God. That's, a good, that's good news. And so it, it's, it is, this whole thing is deceptive of that we can somehow, we, if we do the right things, then we can earn God's approval. And this is what Jesus is dealing with in this passage. But here's something we need to know. As followers of Jesus, you can, number three, you can fulfill God's Sabbath by resting in what Jesus has done for us. You can fulfill God's Sabbath. So... So here's the question, well, do we need to take a Sabbath? Yes. But I'll explain that in just a minute. The Sabbath in the New Testament is mentioned two different ways. One, the passage we just read, it's the seventh day you should rest. But it's also mentioned in the other one, which is about our salvation. And it mentions it in the book of Hebrews. It talks about when you are saved, when you, when you step into a relationship with Jesus, you enter rest. You enter Sabbath. It's not about your behavior, your performance, how good you are, how, how, how strong you were that day. Uh-uh. It's about him. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says this. There remains then a Sabbath or rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rest from their works, just as God did from his. So when you enter into your relationship with God, it's no longer about your works. It's no, no longer about what you do and what you did. And, and it's about what's already been done through Jesus Christ. That's, that's what this whole passage, the writer of, of Hebrews is talking about that, about our salvation, meaning when we enter what Jesus has done, it is about the work of Jesus Christ, not the work of our own righteousness. This is what's called the gospel, my friends. And there are still many people today, even in this room, that are working to earn their salvation, working to get God's attention. Working to make him love them more. Working to get God's favor. Working to earn their way to heaven. And if that's you, Jesus is offering you fresh rest today. And you can enter that rest fresh. And you may be following Jesus, but you're still struggling with entering that rest. Being at peace that I am God's son. I am God's daughter. And he loves me. He's proud of me. Even when I'm not proud of myself, he loves me. He's faithful when I'm faithless. 
That is what's called biblical gospel Sabbath. You need to know this, that nothing you do can earn your salvation. Nothing you do can, 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 can help, can bridge that gap. That's why Ephesians 2 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God to you. It's a gift. Keeping the Sabbath is now not about appeasing God by what you do. Our, our, our salvation, it's not about appeasing God. It's not about what we do. It's about what's already been done. And when Jesus died on the cross, my friends, he says, it is finished. He has done everything necessary for you to be saved. Everything. He has kept the, the, the law perfectly, including keeping the Sabbath. And he invites you to enter his rest. And so here's the question. Will you enter that rest today, the rest of the cross? Enter that rest. So what is it then, Jason? So when is the Sabbath? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This is, this is the Sabbath day. You ready? Here it is. It's Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. When you are in Christ, you are at a constant place of rest. Because every day we can rest in the work of Jesus Christ. Every day we can rest from the guilt and the shame of sin. Every day we can rest from from, from having to be perfect. We can rest from, from having to perform. We can, that, that our rest is not based on how good we are. It's based on how good Jesus is. And you are in Christ and you are covered by his perfection. Thus, take a deep breath and rest. But in spite of everything I've said today, there's still an example for us to follow. Not for salvation, not to appease God, but to live healthy life for us. And that's number four. As followers of Jesus, number four, we still need to take a Sabbath. We still need to rest. I mean, we live in a society that burns the candle at both ends all the time. We are constantly going, constantly, constantly. And, and it's exhausting. God never intended you to never rest. And the Sabbath is not, a, it's not a, a law we have to obey, but it's the idea of a healthy rhythm of work and rest. It's a gift from God, and we shouldn't refuse it. He's offered it to us. It, I mean, the, the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments says this. The sixth day, six days you shall work. On the seventh you should rest. So work is good. The New Testament is very clear. You should work. And if you don't work, the Scripture says you shouldn't eat. But too much work without rest is bad. So we should build into our lives a rhythm of working and resting. Working and resting. Working and resting. Think about this. When God created the world, he wasn't giving us a law to obey. He was offering us a healthy example to follow. And that was him. Look at Genesis chapter 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he was so exhausted and needed to rest from all his work. Well, he's God. Why did God rest? I don't know if you ever thought of that. Like he was just like, hey, hey, 
whoa, hang on. I got to lay down on the couch and watch some Netflix because this is, I'm exhausted. No. Why did he do it? Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So here's the question. He created. God rested. And God today, is he still resting? Just a little theological thought. When did, did he stop resting? Actually what it is, is that God invites us to live in day seven with him every day of our lives. That we can rest with him. The reason he rested was to teach us an example that we have to set time aside to rest. For worship, to redirect our spirit, a day of joy. And it's, it's for his followers, it's, it's take a deep breath, recuperate. It's a gift from God, you need to take it. For me, Sunday, it is, it, it's not my rest day. I, I, it's my work day. For many of us staff, it's our work day. It's what we do. So we find another time to rest and to re, rejuvenate. But, but you need to find a day of the week. You can chill. Do something you love. Do something that rejuvenates you. Do something that, that you enjoy. And do it as worship unto God. The last point today is number five. Sabbath isn't a day. It is the person of Jesus. He is the eternal rest. And listen, this, you need to understand what was happening and, and maybe many of us here today. Jesus, the context is the Pharisees were making up all these rules, all these heavy burdens. And you should do this. You should perform more. You should do more of this. And you should do less of that. And more and more and more and more and more. And we do the same thing. We say, oh God, I, you know, maybe because I, because I love you more, I, I, will, I will not I will not do this and this. There was a season in my own life that I thought, you know what, I, you know what, God, I love you so much. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start not doing things or creating things just to show you my love for you. It's unhealthy. Why? It's, it's, it's from me. It's, it's, it's me doing that to God. That's not what he required. And so it was, it was putting more and more weight on people. And so it was, scriptures, another scripture says this, that Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He says, you have placed such a weight on the people that they're not able to bear up underneath it. They're being crushed by all the laws. And we do it to ourselves all the time. I'm not good enough. I failed here. God, well, I'll do better there. And God, I need to stop. And God, you know what I'll do? You, you know, I, I'll, I won't do this just to prove to you that I love you. And we've, we've, we've taken on a yoke that is heavy, that is burdensome, cumbersome, and we're not resting. And this is why Jesus, this is the context. This is why he said of Matthew 11, he said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Listen to my words. That's why he's teaching these Pharisees. He's telling them, stop listening to them. Listen to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is life, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was talking to people who were striving to please God by working harder, adding rules, judging themselves, and Jesus was saying, stop it, stop it. 
Just come to me. Come to me. Yeah, but Jesus, I, 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 I feel inadequate. I, I feel like I've failed. He says, so come to me. And I will give you rest. But I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Okay, so come to me. And I will give you rest. I'm failing in this area. And, and then come to me. And I will give you rest. Here's some questions for us today. I want you just to, to, to ask them just for a moment. Are you still trying to earn God's approval through works? Do you find yourself at the end of the day struggling, going through your lists in your head? Listen, come to him. Let him give you the rest that you're searching for. Accept his peace today. Another question is, are you trying to are you trying to, to put together a bigger checklist of do's and don'ts? It's one thing to evaluate, now it's another thing you're always adding to the list. I would my challenge to you today is accept what Jesus has already done. And invite him to give you peace. Another one is this. Have you added restrictions that God never intended and become like a Pharisee in your judgment? I think all of us struggle because we want to we, we do something. So I'll just I'll add a little more. This will be just a word for you. Parents, please be careful. When telling your children what pleases God and what doesn't please God. Don't, don't make things up. To use God as the leverage card to manipulate them. Don't do that. Because what you're doing, you're teaching them how to be a legalist. Once they find out that, oh, my parents said that this wasn't pleasing to God. Or, you know, we can only watch this, you know, this type of movie or we can only listen to this type of music and, and also when they get out and they read scripture and they explore it and they say what, what, this, what, instead of telling our, our kids what to think, let's teach them how to think through grace let's teach them how to, how to rise up above it and live righteous lives because of their identity in Jesus, not how hard they've worked to achieve it, let's teach them, and my friends for us as a church Whatever it is in your own life that you've added restrictions. Yes, I know there are wisdom, there are parameters, there are things when it matters to be above reproach. And those things are all added. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just challenging us today to listen to the words of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. That says, stop it. Let me define who you are. You stop trying to define who you are by how good you are. Let me define who you are. And it's challenging because we want to be in control, even of our own salvation. We want to be in control that we can sit down and say, ha-ha, I did it today. It's human nature. 
But the Lord wants us to lean into his rest. He wants to get the glory for our rest. He wants to get the glory for, for everything that's happened in our lives. He is the one who's clothed us in his own righteousness. He's the one that we are in, in him and he is in us. He, he, Jesus is the one when God looks at us, if we are in Christ, he doesn't see your failures. He sees Jesus. And he says, come here, come and follow me. Come close to me, and I'll give you more rest. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.